Hey everyone, Steve Fogg here. Uh, just want to welcome you to my first ever podcast. I thought I'd take a bit of a change from the normal blog post to record a few interviews um, so that you can wander around, do what you're doing around the town, whether you're commuting or whatever, or uh, spending some time in a garden, and just to listen and soak in some really good leadership principles and some really good communication tips from people I really respect and think that will help add value to your world. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, uh, uh, whether you're in the States or in Europe or here in Australia or New Zealand, wherever you're listening to it, I hope that you will get uh, so much value as I uh, interview some really, really smart people and you'll be able to apply it into your context. Today's guest is our first guest and it's Justin Dean. And uh, I pre-recorded this uh, a few weeks ago while I was actually over in the UK and our time zones actually met up a little bit more. So let's listen to what Justin had to share. Well, we're here today with Justin Dean. Welcome, Justin. Justin is a co-founder of That Church Conference. And I actually love that name, That Church Conference. Justin, how (laughs) did you come up with that name? Oh, man, you know, I go back and forth hating that name and loving it. It, it really began me, uh, my friend Van Baird, Dave Adamson from North Point, and Ashley Williams. Uh, people know her from Catalyst. We, I moved to Atlanta from Seattle, and we all got together because we followed each other on Twitter and just wanted to know each other. And we started talking about how much we, we just kind of made fun of church conferences, how we, we've been to all of them uh, collectively and none of them were touching on digital communications or anything like that. And so we said, man, we got we to just do something together in the digital comm space. And uh, like at that moment, like we were at a coffee shop and I think Dave Adamson, he threw out, he's like, let's just call it that church conference and it'll just kind of be funny. And it stuck. Like we couldn't think of anything better. So we got a logo created and just went with it. Uh, it's, it's so um, Gen Y. Uh, um, it really is man yeah it's so perfect for the age group absolutely perfect hey i just want to um some of the people listening may not know about your background so could you just tell us your kind of church communication story yeah totally uh you know i i built a, a career on advertising and marketing working for a bunch of different startups and that ended us up in seattle trying to sell a company. And, um, when, uh, when we were able to do that, uh, we just loved the Seattle area stuck around, um, trying to uh, just make new roots there, uh, me and my family. And we ended up going to Marshall church out there, um, and loved it. And we're part of a community and leading community group and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, one thing led to another and I, I ended up applying for a job there. Um, just always felt called to ministry really just took a plunge, um, you know, a step of faith to yeah. apply there and figure it out. And, uh, you know, we, we landed a job there and made some sacrifices to make it work, uh, at least from the world that we were living in. Yeah. And, um, and then we were, or I was on staff there for about four years. We've yeah. been going there for, for five total, uh, right up until the end. Um, so I was the communications director charge of social media, email, PR, uh, the websites, all the content going out. Uh, I was the spokesperson for the church and um, had uh, 
a lot of different roles that I oversaw, but a, a huge team that uh, really put all that together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so you went from commercial into yeah. not-for-profit. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a big change um, for us. I, it was really the first time I was in a, a position where I just felt fulfilled. Like we were really doing something to make a difference. I mean, I, I love the companies that I've been able to be a part of and yeah. um, many, many of them we helped start um, and uh, would, would sell them off or, um, or they just fizzled out. I mean, that's the startup world, but I loved it. I loved the fast paced uh, part of it. I loved building something from scratch and being able to employ people and, and uh, create jobs and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, six months into a project, I would be totally bored out of my mind yeah. and uh, just couldn't handle it. Just it wasn't what God was calling me to do. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I feel the same. I, I've been uh, uh, a crossway now for 10 years and wow. I, don't, I don't feel like I work. I, I really yeah. don't. I don't feel Isn't it like amazing. I work. We, get, we get paid to do this now. It's yeah. Crazy. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing such a uh, different space to be in. Now, I've got a co- yeah. completely uh, a Gen Y question for you. Okay. Because I know your reputation, your online digital reputation, mate. I know it. I've seen uh-huh. it on Facebook. So <laughs> this may be a challenging answer for you. Okay. But I need to know, what's your favorite taco? My favorite taco? Yeah. You, you said taco. I don't know what a taco is, but I'll tell you what my favorite taco is. Taco. You say, I say tomato, you say tomato, right? Yeah, do, you, do you put the taco on the barbie? <laughs> yeah, mate. I'm frying up a shrimp on the barbie for you. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you know, I definitely love uh, tacos. And we, we really do eat Mexican food uh, probably two, three times a week in my house. It's a little... It's a little much. Um, luckily, my wife makes wonderful tacos. We, we try to switch it up. But, man, I don't know. She makes these tacos. She got the recipe from the Pioneer Woman. I don't know if you heard of her, but she's no. pretty big here, at least in America. She has, like, stuff in Walmart now. Okay. But uh, it's uh, it's just chicken tacos in a corn tortilla, and then you, like, deep fry it. So it's it's completely completely healthy. Yeah. And, uh, and good well, at least for the lettuce is yeah, you got to add a little lettuce and, you know, some fat-free cheese and then you're, you're all set. But, man, I don't know. I love all tacos. <laughs> I, I was in um, a, a church conference actually in California and uh, in Huntington Beach. Yeah, that's and, where I grew uh, up. Yeah. Oh, beautiful spot. Oh, Absolutely yeah. glorious spot. And um, uh, so I flew. So it's a, it's a 15-hour flight from Australia oh, to L.A., so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah kind of recovering. <laughs> Got into this monstrously big car uh, at LAX and drove down the four hundred five, which yeah. is like a battlefield. It's like yeah. driving. Yeah, Huntington Beach. You had a gun with you. Well, hey, I was on the wrong side of the road as far as I was concerned. <laughs> I, I was a recipe for disaster because I, I I was driving on the wrong side of the road, 50, 15 hour flight, jet lag. What could possibly yeah. be wrong? to attend this church conference. Anyway, the point is that I had the best fish taco. I never knew these things existed. Rubio's? I don't know. It it was a fish taco place in Huntington Beach, but the guys took me there and it was... Or it was probably Wahoo. or uh, Yeah, Wahoo or Rubio's, man. Yeah. No, that's what they're known for, man. It's good. California has good, good tacos all over the place. 
good tacos <laughs> and amazing palm trees. That's what one thing I love. You know, they they those import those. Those aren't like California's the desert, man. Palm palm yeah. trees naturally grow there. They actually import those in. They, they don't even grow coconuts because we don't have the or they don't have the proper bees or birds or whatever to pollinate them. It's weird. Okay. I <laughs> so, right, hey. California trivia for you. Yeah, sorry. yeah. I, I'm just into the aesthetic of it all, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we better talk about church communications. We better talk about something that actually means something to our audience. So yeah. let's dive in. Um, now, one of, one of the things I love about uh, your experience and your uh, what you've written about a lot in, in many different places is uh, crisis communications yeah. and PR because um, there are a lot of churches out there and smaller churches, not just large churches with comm staff, but there's a lot of stories out there, uh, good stories that churches have to tell um, before right. we slip into the, the crisis communications, but the, right. in, in, the, in the kind of PR space and getting your story out there, um, yeah. what would you say to smaller churches in terms of just some practical things that they can do about, you know, what they're doing in their church, whether it's they're raising money for something or they're just doing some sure. good work in the community, which they want to be able to get out there. How would they go about getting their story out there? Yeah, no, thanks. I, I love talking about this because a, a lot of churches, especially the smaller ones, just don't, they're not thinking of this stuff. They really struggle with it. Um, they're not prepared for it when a crisis does hit and they certainly aren't doing much of anything to get the word out about good stuff they're doing because they're scared. I mean, it, it it's, it's kind of like us against them when you're talking about Christians and churches um, trying to utilize the media, the mainstream media and things like that. Even the Christian media, man, can be yeah. brutal. Uh, when we were at Mars Hill, oh, we, yeah. took, we took the most hits from Christian bloggers and the, yeah. even the Christian post and, uh, Christianity Today, I mean, you name it, like, you know, all great publications that I don't really have any problem with, and there's some definitely good people writing for them, but man, it was, it was crazy when the major news was, was coming from really, you know, supposed to be our own people, but anyway, back to your question, yeah, so (laughs) some practical advice for a church, I think the number one thing any church can really start doing right now today would be to, to start building relationships with uh, people in the press mm-hmm. don't don't try to attempt it when something's going on that you're trying to to tell your side of the story to do it now when nothing crazy is going on but maybe you just had a food drive or maybe you had a hundred salvations last week or something like that that you want to promote or just for the simple fact that you are doing something in the community um, and you're a part of the community and and you just want to get the word out, start reaching out to those people. If you see an article that someone writes locally uh, or even nationally that you like or appreciate, email them. Most articles have an email or a Twitter or something at the bottom. Reach out to them and just say, hey, I'm from, you know, so-and-so church. And we just we just really love that you highlighted this thing in our community. And we're passionate about that as well. And just wanted to say, hey, and thanks. Like start, start there. Um, that way later when you reach out, you know, maybe you've had a conversation with them over email already and uh, you can start building those relationships that way. Uh, and, you know, when, when people are, are writing about your church, um, correct, uh, reach out and just respectfully correct things that are misinformed and, you know, you can build relationships that way as well. Yeah. Um, one of, one of the ways for me, I, I've found, um, 
certainly um, is in reaching out to journalists is actually to, to get over that fear factor and to, to actually, and especially in the local press, because these guys are often stretched themselves and, you know, that they are running from deadline yeah. to deadline and they actually appreciate people um, coming to them with a good story. Uh, well, yeah. If you and, do the homework for them, I mean, th- these guys, they're, you know, whether it's the Christian Post or New York Times, they are, they're forced to write two articles a day. And when yeah. you think about that, I mean, anytime you sit down and write a blog post, it takes me all day at least. Yeah. Think about having to write two articles that need to be researched, well-written, they need to be edited, you need to find graphics and photos to go with them. You don't have any time to get out there and interview people. When they call you, if you don't pick up, they're just going to write the story without you because yeah. they don't have time to track you down or wait for you to reply to them. They're trying to pump out two stories a day. And I think it's horrible you know, back in the day, you would work on a story all week and you'd get it right and you'd, you'd put it out. But now it's all about page views, the ad dollars, and, um, you yeah. know, they're doing whatever it takes just to get the information out there. And they may correct it later. That's that's the sad thing about news these days is you can read a headline in an article and it could all be completely wrong. They'll change it later that day, but you're never going to go back to check and see if it was changed. They're never going to push that out to you. But in their minds – you know, they corrected it, so yeah. there's nothing wrong with it, even though everyone's already read it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm also surprised by what is actually news. Um, yeah. that it, uh, and for a lot of people, they, they think that, oh, this will never make news, or if I call, they'll knock me back, or, you know, we, yeah. we, we uh, have a Chinese congregation, and they, I think they raised $5,000 for a local bookstore for, um, um, for the community. And, wow. Um, you know... Now, it wasn't a massive amount, but um, we just contacted the media and picked up the phone and said, hey, we're a local church, this is what we've done. And, um, and there was no pre-prepared press statement or anything like that. Uh, right. Uh, and and the, local, the local guys really appreciated it. And they sent a photographer down and um, they covered it as a story. And it was just a really positive story yeah. for a small community. Well, and you can you can almost write the articles for them. I mean, I used to do that. I would I would reach out to yeah. newspapers and I would say, hey, um, you know, here's here's something we wrote about um, you know the food drive we just did, and here's some high quality photos that you can use, and uh, feel free to change this or use it or quote from it all you want. Yeah. And they wouldn't even reply sometimes, but then a couple hours later, I'd see exactly word for word what I wrote and emailed them would be up on their site with their byline and our photos. And it was just like, whatever, as long as the information gets out there. But if you can do their homework for them, provide quotes, yeah. um, two or three different people, then it just really, really, you know, does everything for them. So all they can do is just throw it, throw it up there. And if you have a relationship with them to where they trust you, when you send them something like that, um, that's really important. That's yeah. why you got to build that up ahead of time. I love what you said about two or three different quotes. Um, often we underestimate the power of a community and, you know, it only takes a conversation with two or three people that maybe have contributed to that or served right. in that. To, and if you can get a, um, a range of ages or, um, you know, mixture of people, yeah. um, yep. they, they love people, you know, news, news is about people and they love that kind of story where it's a community-focused story. And, yeah. Um, well, churches are so scared of um, 
of that, even if you provide it, they're scared that, okay, well, they're going to show up and start talking to members of the church and we just, we can't control what they say. We don't know what they're going to say and it could go really bad. So provide them a quote from a member of your church, you know, provide them a quote from your pastor, a quote from your communications guy and a quote from a member of the church. He could be a deacon that's been serving as a community group leader for 10 years. It, It doesn't matter to them. They don't even know what that means. Yeah. But if you're able to say Dave Wilkerson, a uh, member of, you know, Shadowbrook yeah. for 10 years, that's all they need in their story to make it look and feel authentic. And they're not going to go doing their homework much more now, unless it's a big major article, obviously, but yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we look for something positive. <laughs> so uh, generally when we do a story, I'll, I'll get put two or three quotes in there. We'll pre-prepare it just like you would. Um, and I'll pick people I know for that story uh, yeah. who, who, you know, have been involved in that, but they're trusted people that I know, even if they do speak to the press, they're sensible people and they're not going to say anything too, you know, weird or out there yeah. if the press calls them directly. Um, in, in fact, I had one story that we we're trying to get out there where the person that was the focus of the story, it was a, it was a story from our counselling centre and it was um, a riot, a trend that they'd seen and, you know, it's one of those stories, that, again, you go, really, that's a story? But it actually, again, never be surprised by what newspapers will take. Um, yeah. we, we had a counselling story where they picked up a trend through their counselling, which was a lot of people were coming to them with digital addiction. Uh, and, and it was a f- normally family environment where right. uh, they were seeing this on the rise, that this was a cause of divorce. It was a cause of disruption with, with siblings and parents and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And um, so, you know, it's, it feels, uh, it felt to me at the time fairly insignificant, but when I, when I pitched it, uh, one of our um, larger papers picked, picked, picked it up, and, nice. uh, which was great. Um, yeah. Fortunately, because it was a counselling situation, we couldn't use any subjects. So no. I became the focus of the story and my family became the focus of the story because we had to have a face in there all that sort of right. stuff. And you're right. right. It was just Steve Fogg and his family. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't care. And, and we, were, <laughs> we were the healthy examples of, of yeah. you know, we put boundaries around the, the, the phony Providing quotes like that too, it, yeah. the reason why they want it is because they don't want to look like they're just posting press releases out there. Right. If you have two or three quotes, it looks like they actually went out and interviewed people and did the whole thing. And, yeah. uh, it really isn't. I mean, most most quotes today you read in articles are written. They're not even what people said. It's what some PR guy wrote and said, are you cool with this? Great. We're going to put it in. Yeah. And it, so it's, it's approved by who said it. And yeah. they're saying, yeah, sure, that's something I would say. But it's not like it's a quote from an interview. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's rather, you know, it all seems deceiving, but it's it's just it's just how the, the game works these days. Man. Yeah. And, you know, you, you want to be truthful and honest and full of integrity with what you're putting out there. But if you actually want to get seen and heard, uh, you got to play their game and play by their rules. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's incredible how just crazy dynamic it is to to work with the press. I mean, even uh, one other thing churches could do is uh, their pastors or leaders can write uh, like op-ed articles, especially like if it's Easter, yeah. write an article about Easter um, and just send it to them. Just say, hey, here's here's an article our pastor wrote 
Um, if, if you guys need this for your, you know, opinion or op-ed section or something like that, they're just, they're dying for content, any kind of content that'll get page views. And if you can just provide it to them like that, provide a bio, provide a profile pic and everything, um, they will, they will throw that up there. Local papers, yeah. um, Christian posts, they're just dying for all kinds of articles and stuff like that. So you can write those, you know, you can end up with a column. I mean, we, we did several yeah times just by sending out articles that you know nothing nothing more than a blog post yeah yeah and it's just an opinion piece yeah and you reach more people yeah exactly it just gets you gets you more google results it gets you uh, you know more reach out there maybe somebody will click through and check out your church because of it yeah and a lot of people underestimate um the power of um public relations in and and when i say that you know a lot of uh, churches go. We need a billboard, or we need a we need to put some ads out there, or and especially at Easter time, you know, we need to advertise right. our church, or we need to do a direct mail. Um, just explain a little bit about the difference between um, that sort of approach versus public relations, and and just the difference that it that it can bring across to someone receiving um, that piece of communication. Well, so to me, the, the way I view it, and there's so many different definitions of PR and advertising and marketing, things like that. But I mean, what, you know, what you're talking about is how it all kind of ties together, what the difference is maybe like, I think putting up a billboard or advertising online or sending out postcards, that's all advertising, but it's also public relations if you're, if you're doing it right. Because to me, public relations is is building a relationship between your organization or your pastor or whoever you're representing and the public and how they're going to perceive it. So when your advertising department or marketing department puts up a billboard, you want to know what it's, what it's going to say, how it's going to be designed and how it's um, supposed to make people feel as well as how they actually will feel when they see it, depending on where it is and who they are and what their context is. PR is looking at that bigger picture, seeing all that and building those relationships in place beforehand so that you can anticipate how people are going to view it and perceive it. And you can manage that perception by providing them extra info when needed, answering questions when needed, um, explaining yourself and your history and your background, providing other pieces of maybe the production of the billboard and the design and what went into it and why we chose these words and these graphics. That's all stuff that can tell the larger story of everything you're involved in. And that's, that's what it comes down to is, is telling your story in a way that others will perceive it um, in a way that matches up with your reality. Um, and that's a very delicate thing to, to always balance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I saw one example of a, of a, um, it's almost like the the two, um, so that advertising approach and that uh, the authenticity of public relations, so getting that free media kind of story out there, coming together um, when a small church in New Zealand um, uh, created a billboard outside of their church, which was um, very unorthodox in its theology, uh, and uh, but what spun out of that almost like a it, the billboard it came, itself became a media prop if you like yeah uh, and the focus of the story was spun out uh into worldwide media 
So while they were, they were just going for the billboard in front of their church, right. uh, what actually happened is that the story grew very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and had, they had international syndications coming in, yeah. doing all sorts of coverage because what they put on there was so controversial. Okay. Um, um, for them, it was a win, obviously. Right. They wanted more people to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Really, uh, I guess one of my point is that sometimes those traditional approaches can actually become a talking point for a uh, a media story. Um, oh right, and, uh, yeah. There's a there's a book um, by uh, Ryan Holiday. Um, it's called "Trust Me, I'm Lying," and he's uh, yeah, he's a. Uh, He's a PR guy, marketing guy. Um, he started out or really got his big fame um, by uh, American Apparel, which if you know anything about them, I mean, they create T-shirts and stuff. Most T-shirts you buy with graphics on them are printed on blanks from American Apparel. And it's a really good, high-quality stuff. But in their advertising, they're always a little more provocative um, than they need to be, things like that. Yeah. And so they're they're well-known for just – cutting the BS and advertising however they want. But in his book, he explains how when they first really launched, they purchased a single billboard uh, in Hollywood, I think, on a major road that everyone in the world sees. And uh, they purchased one billboard, you know, probably cost a few thousand dollars. And uh, I'm probably butchering the story. It's been a while since I read the book. But they went and they hired someone to write graffiti all over yep. the billboard, um, basically against, you know, the, the, the billboard was probably a, a girl in her underwear or something like that. Cause that's what they were known for. And I think yep. they just wrote something along the lines of they you know, somehow they disagreed with it in graffiti and that, you know, the next morning, Monday morning, the news was out there taking video of it. It was on the morning news. People were snapping photos of it on Instagram and Facebook as they drove to work. And it became a national news story about American apparel with a photo of their billboard, their URL in it. Yeah. They got so much traffic. They got so much attention. Half the people were mad, but those are not their target customer anyway. The people who thought it was funny or cool are the people who are now shopping in American apparel stores. And it cost them maybe five grand for one billboard to have a national campaign, front page news everywhere. And it was all just timing of there's nothing else going on in the news. It's a yeah. good Monday morning and, it's just amazing. I mean, if you, if you time it right, you can really manipulate the game to get the most uh, views out of something. Yeah. And uh, you're right. It, it can basically just explode. And mm-hmm. sometimes like that, it can work really well for you. Um, yeah. And can, if you plan it right. And again, you've got to walk that fine line of really knowing what you're doing, but yeah. other times it can just go so wrong. Oh, it's so yeah. risky for sure. I mean, yeah. it's, it's definitely risky. I mean, they even with that, they took a risk that just too many people would agree with what was written. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, in, in the of a church, you, you want to be, I think, a billboard. I'm in Atlanta right now, and there's so many billboards, digital billboards around here, too. So they're really super cheap for churches to get. I mean, yeah. you can buy a billboard these days for $100 because uh, they're just swapping out an image in a computer, and it shows up on these digital billboards. Um, yeah. but most of them are nothing but Easter service times, church logo. Like there's nothing compelling, uh, to it at all. When 
they're inviting people to church to hear probably what would be a happy go lucky Easter uh, type service, which is great. That's fine. It's, it's the best time for new people to come to your church. You don't want to freak yeah. them out. You just want to drop the gospel on them and hope they come back um, and hopefully build some relationships uh, while they're there. But man, if you were to take a billboard that actually kind of told the true scandalous story of Jesus in his life, dying on the cross and then rising again three days later. I mean, it's a crazy, crazy story. There's so much you can do with that uh, in your different advertising mediums that will maybe stir a little more eyeballs and make you stand out from every other Easter service that's being advertised around your area. Um, But no one's really taken that risk. And maybe that's a bad risk to take with Easter, but uh, it's certainly something to think about. Yeah. Well, we, we, we have a, um, a saying, um, and I'm not really sure where it came from, but it's more about Christmas. And we got told, you can do what you like creatively around the Christmas story, but whatever you do, don't mess with Mary. <laughs> For whatever. <laughs> so yeah. that, that's our creative guys go, okay, we can, we can be as creative as we like, but don't mess with Mary. So you get, because for whatever reason, that, that culturally yeah. in Australia. That's sacred. Don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But um, just talking about that kind of that fine line that, um, you know, many American apparel talk, but also I've seen many uh, companies use kind of these as um, almost like media opportunities in themselves where they're trying to be provocative to get more free media. Right. Um, sometimes it can work really well, but sometimes it can go really badly. And uh, yeah. in, in many churches' cases, um, they wouldn't set out to, to get negative publicity, but so often things happen in churches or happen to churches, which create bad publicity. And I know you've written extensively about crisis communications and um, steps that churches can take about that. So right. what, what would you say to um, people listening right now in terms of um, how they should approach um, and maybe introduce what crisis communications are? how they would approach it yeah i mean that you know that's a big one i I think that um you know again churches just are not prepared for this so that's that would always be my first advice is to start thinking about this now um you know because a crisis when i get it's it's sad but i get calls maybe every other week um pastors all over the world who um you know one of their associates is uh was found sleeping around or Facebook messaging a, a girl they shouldn't be, or, um, you know, whatever, like that in my mind, that's one of the worst situations to find yourself in. Um, it, it happens all too frequently. Um, you know, pastors struggling with porn or something like that, or, uh, maybe there's just money embezzlement and stuff. It doesn't have to be, you know, sexual sin all the time, but those, that's definitely a big one. Um, but they're, they're not prepared for it when it happens. And, and when it's happening, you don't have much time um, to really figure that stuff out. So you want to you want to get ahead of it. Um, you want to have that stuff written down. You need to know who's yeah. in charge when something like that happens. Who's in charge when the senior pastor is the one who's at the focus? Uh, who's going to be your spokesperson? Who's going to write the statements? Who's going to answer questions? Who's going to tell the church what? Um, every single one of those things should be written down and planned out. And uh, key people should have a copy of that somewhere that they can refer to when it comes down to it. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the, one of the best things you can do is, is anticipate 
questions that people will have about your church, uh, even now during a good time, um, anticipate all those questions and have answers pre-written forms that everybody can get on the, on the same page when they're asked them. And, um, you can quickly reply to, uh, people in the news who, you know, want those kind of questions and for your own people, for your own members, um, you want to be able to explain it internally well, uh, as well. So all of that stuff can be prepared ahead of time and you can even think of different scenarios and okay, let's like, I mean, I used to kind of put together, uh, mock, uh, scenarios where we would, we would have a committee of people. We'd sit in a room for an hour and say, okay, let's pretend that this happened, you know, what, you know, and let's go through the scenario. What would we say? What would we do right now? Who would be the spokesperson? Um, and plan that all out. Like the more you're prepared for it, uh, the better. Cause when it hits, you just yeah. don't have any time at all to think of that stuff. You can only yeah, stall right. media for so long and you can only stall them at all unless it's a huge, huge major story. If it's not, yeah. then they're just going to say, well, whatever, we're just, we'll just plug in your quotes later. Cause I got to get this yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, uh, I don't know about you, but when I've done that, I've got that scenario planning uh, team together. It's been our leadership team. Yeah. And um, it can feel quite awkward for a lot of people to plan when your senior pastor's in the room and say, well, what yeah. happens if, if, you know, and you're looking across the room to the to the yeah. person, you know, this is what we're planning out today. Yeah. Uh, and you've got, you know, depending on the way your church is set up, and you've got also the chairman of the board in the room and, you know, okay, because obviously different spokespeople for different uh, situations and all that sort of stuff, and um, and and people need to know, like you say, you know, if this happens, this is the person that speaks. If this happens, this is the person that speaks. Here's pre-prepared messaging, uh, and it's uncomfortable for um, people to have to face up to that reality, uh, yeah. especially when they're the people in the room that it could happen to. Right. Well, and you want to, you know, especially as a church, you want to believe us. Oh, it's never going to happen to us. Um, yeah. And it's, that's the worst. That's the worst position to, to be in is to be sitting around that smug to say something like that can never happen to us because we're all people. I mean, you could be right. super squeaky clean church doing awesome things, and uh, you still got people in the mix, and uh, we're we're sinful. That's why we need Jesus. That's and uh, it may never be something huge, but it's it's going to be something. And uh, believe me, any kind of controversy in a church is a bigger news story than you saving a million orphans and feeding every food bank uh, for 100 miles. Like that doesn't mean anything to even an accusation that someone might have done something wrong inside your yeah. church. The world views us as holier than them and. Uh, more righteous than them and uh we we don't make mistakes and we're perfect and we think that you should come uh be with us because we're perfect like that's that's how they see us and any, anytime they can poke a hole in that um they will because that's what yeah. sells page views i mean even amongst ourselves that's what sells page views nobody's gonna click and read an article about how you filled food banks with food and how you're the number one provider in the community for that like that's just not intriguing even to people who are interested in that stuff it's just you know that's never going to get um you know the viewers like uh some kind of controversy is so you got to be prepared for it because it can happen uh it will happen if it hasn't happened yet then you're like a you're like a volcano uh just ready to erupt and you never know when it's going to happen 
Yeah. Well, uh, we have a saying uh, in Australia, um, especially when it comes to our church but also other churches, um, good news is like constipation. Bad news is like dysentery. It runs so quickly. And, um, you know, it's it's so, so true that... Yeah, and also disgusting, but yeah. (laughs) Hey, what would it be if two guys didn't get together and have a bit of toilet humour, you know? You, you um, Australians, man, you're so just brash and uh, and out there. Like we, I feel like Americans get a bad rap for that, but every every Aussie I've known is just like talk about stuff like that. No problem. <laughs> well, if I told you who said that to me the first time, then you go, oh, okay. Right, <laughs> <laughs> being a pastor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's one of those things that. Um, you know, sometimes you're right, so right. People often just glaze over good news, uh, but very quickly uh, literally run to bad news and want to put a spotlight on that. Yeah. And, um, you know, we do need to be prepared. Churches need to be prepared. And even if it's not for your season of leadership or, you know, for this generation, actually the next generation can be served by that as well. If they know about it and they have a plan together, they, they can actually run with your plan but plans can be timeless yeah. in some senses uh, they can be on the shelf for a while others need to change and adapt fairly quickly in australia uh and i know it's probably in the states as well but in australia there's a massive focus on um child sex abuse in the church and other organizations and rightly so uh, some of the terrible things that have happened in churches and, yeah uh, and and especially catholic church and anglican church have had uh, really, really terrible uh, coverage, uh, and um, and rightly so in some of their responses to it. Right, uh, and and you know that they've been employing um, public relations specialists and teams and crisis communication specialists for decades. Yeah, uh, to to try and manage their way with the media. I know that for a fact. Um, and, and the media is very, very quick to jump on um, the, that sort of news. And it's not going to be that sort of news for every church, but it might be that, right. you know, you've got a kid's ministry where kids are vulnerable or, right. um, like you say, accountants that are doing the wrong thing or yeah. leaders that, do, that go wrong for all sorts of different reasons. Uh, and sometimes it's not even just your... Uh, the news that are going to pick up on it, it's your local community as well. It's your right. community that you actually need to well, communicate to as well. There's it could be someone in, in your uh, church too. It could be a member yeah. uh, has done something. We had a, a big uh, scare one time at Mars Hill. Um, if you remember, there was a big school shooting at uh, one of the, the big Christian colleges that was just down the street from a few of our campuses. And, um, when that happened, you know, his name, the shooter's name, I forget who it was, but his name was plastered all over the the news. And um, we recognized it right away and uh, looked him up in our system. And um, he at least shared a name with a uh, pretty well-known person in our church community who was a member of our church. And um, mm-hmm. we were, you know, we had to sit down and prepare for that. Like, okay, like, what if, what if the news story turns around that this guy's a Mars Hill member he just shot up a, tr- a school and killed all these people. Like, how is that going to reflect on us? And, um, yeah. you know, they already think we're misogynistic and um, things like that. So this is a, a very, you know, easy narrative for them to to figure out. And 
I mean, it never really went anywhere, but um, things like that, you just, you never know, man, like what yeah, that's right. someone in your, your community uh, who represents your church just because they've been there once um, is, is going to do. So you, uh, you definitely got to be prepared for that. I think churches are so scared of uh, PR and there's a lot of negative connotations that go along with that. Um, yeah. I used to get every day there'd be a tweet or something or somebody saying, "Why does Mars Hill have a PR person?" That's how you know, you know, that's how you know the church has got something to hide or something's going wrong when they have a PR person on staff. And it's just like, okay, do you do you not think that we should be marketing and advertising and reaching out to people and building relationships with the community because that's what I do. Like that's what we're trying to do that's what we should actually be all about um it's yeah. very hypocritical um the the negativity that, that goes against that but you you want to be able to explain yourself well and uh that means crafting messages and communications well and there's nothing nothing wrong or, or manipulative about that like that's just being a good steward of the resources god has given you and and uh, using them well and, and using others and advising with others to help craft the best message possible so that people really understand what you're doing. And now you can't abuse that. There's definitely abuse. And that's why there's negative connotation with it, especially in the non-church world, but unfortunately in the church world. And many people would accuse us of that at Mars Hill. And, and I, of course, think they're wrong, but, uh, yeah. you know, they would they would say it's, it's easy to abuse that you can use and craft messages to hide things that you shouldn't be hiding uh, and that wasn't the case for us but churches do that all the time and secular you know people do that all the time and companies do it all the time so you, you got to be careful with that you got to act out of integrity if you're a christian um, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't have that type of role or somebody thinking about those things because it's it's hugely important your, your pastor spends hours and hours crafting the best message to put out on Sunday. It's no different than supporting that with all the messaging you're doing everywhere else. That's right. And your messaging outside of a Sunday is probably going to reach more people right. that don't come to the church. I mean, when we think oh, yeah. about more, that. More people were, were, we reached more people with a single controversial tweet than we yeah. did ever with an hour long sermon from Mark Driscoll. And we, yeah. we would send out clips uh, and people would view those like crazy, but you know, only people who attended church on Sunday actually watched the whole hour long sermon. Um, but they're, you know, the media and people who don't even go to our church are eating up every little tweet and clip saying, Oh my gosh, what are you guys doing? What are you saying? And, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's crazy how you know, we're, we're in a, a world now where we just consume media in little tiny chunks. And, uh, yeah, and we are in the sandbite world, right? Where you've got to look at, I mean, yeah, I, think about what you just said with the tweet there you've got to look at that tweet in a 360 degree context you're not looking at yeah. it from that's a quote from the weekend you're looking at it from a so many different angles i'm sure um right. given the you know the platform and the profile and it's not just an innocent tweet out there and you know you've got every news organization probably you know shadowing you and um following you both christian and secular right uh, for an opportunity to write a story about 140 characters that that came out and and you know spin that out um, right. to get more eyeballs on their um, online publication, but I'm 
probably for sure know that has happened in the past to you. Sure. Um, uh, so really, uh, the average church though probably doesn't come under that kind of um, almost, I'd say, presidential scrutiny in terms of you know every word is you know scrutinised. But yeah. they certainly um, once it's out there, you can't get it back. No matter. Well, most churches aren't putting it out there either. Like you know, it's yeah. true. Not not every church is ever going to get to be under the scrutiny that that we were um and not every pastor who tweets something controversial becomes a news story because nobody's watching uh you know most of the pastors there's there's you know, i can count them on my hand how many pastors are actually well known nationally let alone internationally and, and people actually pay attention when they tweet um yeah. you know, there's only you know five maybe a, a dozen total that people know and care about and half of them are um guys like Joel Osteen, they're just not even in, in the same category as, as what I'm talking about as yeah. actual local, local pastors, you know? And uh, so it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I would say don't be scared to get out there and, uh, and do that as long as your message is, is grounded in the Bible and you're doing what God wants you to do. Um, there's going to be controversy with that. Um, and you yeah. need to have a plan around it, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it because it, it can be one of the best ways to to reach the most people. When, when you think about Jesus's messages in the Bible, uh, Paul, when he would preach, I mean, they would just come in, drop a bomb and walk out and on yeah. to the next one. And, you know, the crowd would be bigger the next time. The crowd would be bigger the next time. And uh, obviously those guys were preaching out of integrity and and uh, uh, and that's important, too. But you need to get out there with the message. You need to be bold uh, with the message. Can't, yeah. We can't play it safe anymore in this world. Pastors cannot play it safe anymore. We, you know, we can't just get by with our church of 200 and be comfortable with that. Like, there's nothing wrong with a church of 200. That's actually a pretty big church. But if your goal isn't to reach more and more people and to get to be that big, big church, um, then I don't know what you're doing. Like, yeah. it's not it's selfish. Uh, I think if that's your limit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was talking with a pastor today and we were talking about social media and, um, and, you know, we were talking about the potential of social media to, uh, reach more people. Uh, and, um, we were talking about Facebook live and, yeah. um, uh, so I was giving a bit of a, a, just a little bit of training time on that. And, and it was really interesting to see, um, his eyes light up. Um, it was great to see that where I said, look, you, you know, you realize you could preach on, on a Sunday and you'll reach all of the people in your church. And even if you audio record it, you know, you'll just reach those right. who are kind of more occasional attenders. But just imagine that you put together a five minute devotional that is on, um, uh, on something really relevant to, you know, the culture around you. Maybe it's a topic in the news or something like that. And right. you, you put it out there at night when everyone's on Facebook and, and you, you know, do a bit of a Q and a session and all of a sudden you're getting comments and questions from those who are following you on there. And then all of their friends are going to see that all of a sudden you're not just reaching your church community, you're reaching the broader community. And his eyes went saucer like he was like, yeah. he was so excited about that. Um, and it was That's so awesome. good to see it, but you know, the potential for social media, if you spend a little bit of time to, um, you know, craft that message really well, as you would on a yeah. Sunday for a local church leader, the potential's uh, much 
much stronger, uh, to go much, much further. Um, what advice would you give to pastors about uh, using social media uh, to get their message and reach more people? Well, you got to do it. You got to be there. If you want to be where the people are, you got to be on social media. You, you definitely have a bigger opportunity um, than even the largest church. Um, if you get your message out on social media in some way, I don't care if it's a post, a photo, a live video, a regular video, whatever, you got to start using it to get out there um, because your people who are attending your church are there and everybody else is there. Um, when you talk about Facebook, if, as a as a community of people, it's you know the largest country in the world if, if, if yeah. it was a country. Um, everybody's on Facebook. Your mom's on Facebook. Your grandma's on Facebook. They're all using it in different ways, uh, but everybody's there. Even the kids are there. Uh, even uh, you know all the studies are saying they're not on Facebook and they're using Snapchat and whatnot. Uh, and that's true. They're still on Facebook, and they're going to return to it too when they get older. They go to college. They get a family. They're going to. They're going to be on Facebook. It ain't going anywhere. Yeah, they're going to um, drive their wagon and yeah, Facebook. Yeah. I mean, so you you got to be there. There's definitely a lot of ways to screw it up, uh, to yeah. not use it well, to not use it right. Um, but I think you you got you to gotta hunker down and, and figure it out. There's plenty of resources out there, and we're certainly trying to provide as, as many as we can because it's amazing how many churches are still just not – utilizing what's out there i mean our our mission our you know our, our duty in life is to reach the nations right yeah. uh to spread the gospel uh to the nations to the world to as many people as we possibly can and so if you are dismissing social media as something you can't do or don't want to do i think that's a huge mistake because the world we live in today i can reach uh i can reach 12 different countries right now as we're talking by just tweeting out something um other guys can reach 100 countries or more um it's it's very easy to reach a wide wide range of people who you would have never been able to reach before without ever getting on an airplane or a car or anything um and i think that god knew that that was going to happen you know jesus didn't say hey in the future you're going to use a computer and facebook to reach people but right now i want you to go walk to the next town and tell them about me um, no, he just said, go out and tell the nations uh, the gospel. And he knew that in 2016, we have these tools at our disposal. So we need to use them. We need to redeem them uh, yeah. for good. You know, I, I'm no, no big fan of Snapchat. If you follow me at all, I'm not a big fan of Snapchat at all. I think it's a stupid tool. I think it's horrible. I think it's grounded in um, it was built uh, for the wrong reasons and it's being used yeah, for the wrong reasons. But yeah. it's a, still a good tool that Christians have redeemed to say, no, we're going to tell stories on here uh, that point to Jesus. And it might be among all this other crap that's going on on here, but we're still using it to tell people about Jesus. And I think that's amazing. That's incredibly yeah. amazing. Yeah, look, um, uh, so um, I had some nieces show me Snapchat yesterday and uh, they showed me that, that face swap thing. Oh, that's creepy, man. I hate that thing. That's so creepy. <laughs> So, so creepy. But one of the, you know, I, I, we haven't got onto Snapchat yet. And, um, but I, you know, like any good communications person, I want to be able to understand, like right. you said, I want to be able to redeem it for good. And I know the backstory to it and it's, and it's awful, right. but, um, you know, we have these free tools available to, to us uh, to go reach the world. And, you know, for me, Facebook is 
one of the greatest gifts to the gospel that totally. we, we've ever ever had, and yeah. it's just absolutely knocked down the, the. You know, I wouldn't be talking to you. Um, you know, I wouldn't be. I don't even know you had it not been for Facebook yeah. and Twitter, man. Yeah, so it you know it's totally totally fantastic that and that, you know, that is incredible to me. I mean, we we get people reaching out to us all the time uh, at the conference saying we're we're following you in Australia and, and we love what you're doing, and, and that's amazing to me that uh, a dumb guy like me with just a little bit to say can reach a, a few dozen people in Australia who are dying for us to bring our content to them, and so we're working our butts off trying to get either to the point where we can afford to, yeah, let's go do a, a conference or workshop and stuff in Australia or train people how to do them over there for us. Or at the very, very least, let's put together some videos and, and put them online so people can see them that way. Um, and it's amazing that we get to do that, that I get to reach yeah. people um, anywhere and everywhere um, with whatever message I want. That's, that's an incredible gift of the gospel. You're right. Oh, it's look, it's amazing. I, our, um, so we've launched our online campus and, we, you know, we're using fa- Facebook to reach people that we could never possibly reach through uh, traditional media or through paid ads or whatever and on traditional media. And, you know, I had a chat with a, a man uh, from the Middle East the, um, the other night and he's clicked on to one of our ads and said, what is your church? And uh, I explained that to him and uh, he said, oh, Thank you, you know. Thank you very much. I'm, a, I'm, you know, from a different religion, but um, you know, I, I, I love Jesus, and that provoked a conversation. So yeah. tell me about that. You know, let's let's talk about that. So here's a man on the other side of the world. We're having a conversation about Jesus. Man, like like that's just fantastic. Yeah, incredible. You know, people it, people complain today that they don't know non Christians that they struggle with sharing the gospel with their friends in. I just find that so amazing. I mean, that's obviously just an excuse. There is just tremendous opportunity for all of us to be able to share the gospel in loving ways um, through social media to interact with people we've never met um, and tell them about Jesus. I mean, that's, that's an incredible opportunity that many of us are wasting uh, by posting cat videos and how much we hate Donald Trump. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a tacos. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what, that's, that's if I was going to brand you, you know, I'd I'd brand you the taco man or taco, 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 taco. Although I'm probably saying, you know, any, any real Mexicans who are watching this are going, Oh my gosh, they're both butchering. (laughs) (laughs) There's one gringo trying to tell another gringo how to say tacos. Yeah. Yeah. What's that about? Hey, um, uh, uh, we're coming up against the time, but I really want to just briefly touch on uh, that church conference. And, and, you know, I know you've got an intensive coming up uh, in May. And yeah. you've got another intensive coming up in uh, September. And, and I found out you have to call it Hot Lanta now. Um, yeah, very hot here. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, September the 20th and 21st. Just tell us a little bit about those workshops and what people can expect. Yeah, so the one in Chicago is an intensive workshop. It's May 3rd, and uh, you can find out all about it at thatcc.com or thatchurchconference.com. And that is, uh, there's five speakers, um, really four, and then I'm going to do a a Q&A on PR crisis stuff. 
but uh, they'll each speak for maybe 10, 15 minutes. And then it's open up your laptop. Let's apply what we just learned in lab workshop, classroom style. We want people to be able to implement what they learn right away on the spot. So these are, these are church communications people. These are pastors of small churches, big churches, medium churches, um, coming and learning from people um, who are in the trenches. So all of our speakers are people who are actually working in these roles at their churches uh, or they're actively involved uh, in church communications and digital communications. So it's practitioners teaching practitioners, which I'm, I'm huge on that. Um, I went to college for um, a few classes and then I, I just stopped going, got a high paying yeah. job and, and moved on with my life there. And I, I've learned so much from just being a practitioner in the trenches, doing the work. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't mean to knock school by any means, but if you really, really want to learn uh, life and work and any kind of trade, you, you just got to get out there and do it. Um, and so we've got people who are out there doing it, teaching other people um, how to do it. And so that's, that's what the, the workshop's all about. The conference um, is a big two-day conference here in Atlanta. That's September 20th and 21st. And that's uh, 10 speakers, conferences, and breakouts. Uh, that's, the, that's the big one. We, we did it last year, and uh, we just got tremendous feedback from it. We built this awesome community of people who just want to help each other and collaborate. And um, we just love it. We're, we're going to travel with the workshops and uh, hopefully build something amazing uh, out of this. But, but yeah, you, you, can, uh, you can find out all about both of those at thatcc.com. Fantastic. Well, we'll put links into it in the uh, the notes, and uh, people can check it out and register. And I saw also that you had a VIP pass on there as well for people. Yeah, that's for, that uh, that's for people with a little bit of bigger budget who uh, yeah. who maybe need a little extra help too. Because if if you buy a VIP ticket, uh, you know you get fun stuff like free coffee and lunch and swag bag and stuff like that. But yeah. the real the real kicker is you're going to get the conference on video. And you're going to get one-on-one time with the speakers. So you can ask them whatever you want. And we'll, we just, we all want to help. We all just love doing this and helping. And uh, someday I hope we can even make half of this stuff free. Um, That's, that's my goal. Cause we just want to get this content out there and help. So, um, you know, we're, we're trying to create opportunities where we can actually sit one-on-one and, and really dive into stuff with people. Yeah. Look, the thing I love about, um, when you get collaborators together like that and people who are specialists um, and, 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 and just so good at different things um, that you can start, it starts to spark something in you as well that, uh, you know, I, I sit around some people and go, oh, I'm so glad that I spent that hour listening to you or just writing notes like crazy because you are so much better in this space than I would ever be. Um, you know, so for you, I, I read your stuff on the crisis comm stuff and I'm going, oh man, you know, if there's one person I could call, you know, it'd be you and cause you just know that space so much better than me. I, I'm, you know, I'm a graphic designer by trade and I'm in yeah. comm. So give me a pencil. I can draw crisis communications really well and make it look beautiful. Sure, but man. Get me to, get me to step it out. You know, I hired people to do that cause I can't do that. And, you know, that's, that's the thing about conference that I love is that you can get to rub shoulders with just different people who are in a similar sort of space. They understand your world yeah. and what you're going through and, you know, in terms of well, 
and that's it's why, it's like, talented. you know, we're we're gonna create videos and stuff, and we'll get it out there for you, for you Australians uh, in particular. But really, I mean, you're really gonna miss out on on just the community and collaboration that yeah. we've built, and that's that's why we're doing these conferences yeah. and workshops in person, because we're we're talking about digital communications, and we're not doing a digital conference. Like we get that all the time. Why don't you just put this online? And I think it's like, fine, we, we can put some stuff online. But if you really, really want to get down in the trenches with people who are in the trenches with you and yeah. look at this stuff and say, hey, here's what we did at our church and what worked and what didn't. Here, oh, you are you got a new book coming out or you got a sermon series on Esther coming out. You know, we just did that. Why don't we give you all of our marketing plans and resources and that way we can we can share with you and I can help with you to, to create it and craft it in your context that's what we're all about, man. Like we're, we just want to give away this stuff so that it helps the church at, at the end of the day. If, if churches are growing because of what we're doing, um, then that's an amazing thing to be a part of. And we're just, we're so proud of it. Well, look, mate, I, I realize um, that we've taken over a little bit of your time. I just want to say thank you so much for, for hanging out over where you are in Hotlanta and I'm in, in you know cold England, it's chilly seven degrees here, and <laughs> uh, normally in Australia, which is a little bit warmer, but I'm here in England. I just want to say thanks so much for, for being here with us, and I'm going to put all the links to um, your blog and all the to the conference, and uh, people can check that out and uh, uh, you know sign up and register and uh, you know get stepped into that community because you know one of the things we miss here in Australia is is that wider community that you have over there in the States. And, you know, yeah. we're, we're, I, I, I've been gathering church communications people together uh, in Melbourne and uh, just hanging out together and having coffees together. And it's yeah. been really, really, it, you just learn so much in person. So I just encourage anyone that's listening to this just to, to go check that out if you're in the U.S. or you've got the budget to fly to the U.S. Um, yeah. and, and get there, you know, and um, I strongly encourage people to get to Chicago uh, if there are any seats left or get to Atlanta and uh, go hang out in Hotlanta and, and Justin will make you a taco. So That's right. thanks so much, Justin. I really appreciate your time today. No problem, man. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for listening to today's podcast. Uh, you may even have a question that you want answered. Well, you can just visit my website and my blog and in the show notes and you'll be able to uh, get your question answered. Just you, You'll be able to send me an email. Uh, you never know, we may even spend an entire episode answering your question. I might get an expert in just to be able to answer your question well. Or you can tweet me at Steve Fogg on Twitter. And like I said, there are some great links in the show notes on my blog. And if you can get along to the conference in Atlanta, you can also find those links on the blog in the show notes too. And don't forget to leave a review for me in iTunes. It really helps us spread the word for this podcast uh, further, faster. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.